0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this 58th episode of Superhero Ethics. My name is Matthew. I'm one of your hosts. Joining me on the line is Jacob, another of our hosts. Jacob, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing all right. Uh, Very excited for this particular topic,
0: having just read the media a couple of days ago. Definitely. So today we are going to be talking about the um, Superman comic Red Son and a lot of the questions that it brings up. Um, And we're going to get to that in a moment. But um, also exciting me for today is we have a, a special guest, Jess Dunks. Uh, Jess is, uh, someone, um, Jacob and I know through the magic judge program. Um, he is, uh, one of the co-hosts of another great podcast called judge cast. That's how we know him. Oh, it's, that's certainly how I know of him being great on this stuff. Um, and he and I were talking about, um, podcasts and, uh, he, he said that it would, this would be a topic that he would love to come on and talk to us about. So we're happy to have him along. So Jess, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Sure. You want to uh, say another word or two about, uh, who you are and where you're coming from? Sure.
2: Um, so uh, as you mentioned, I am one of the hosts of another podcast called JudgeCast. So I'm going to go ahead and plug that right here. It's uh, judgecast.com. Although I understand most of your listeners are probably not a good cross-section <laughs> for magic judges, our, our podcast is specialized for um, for people who are magic judges or really interested in magic rules, uh, Magic the Gathering, the card game. Um, and to that end, um, I'm also a level three magic judge uh, and have been a judge for – uh, like eight years now, um, awesome. and uh, other than that, I'm um, I'm also into lots of other nerdy stuff. Uh, I was I spent about five years in the Air Force. Uh, I was a Korean linguist in the Air Force, and I'm uh, uh, right now I'm going back to school. Actually, I'm studying mechatronic engineering.
0: Nice, nice. Well, cool. Well, I'm really glad to get to be uh, get to be a part of this podcast, and I'm glad you suggested that um, we talk about this issue of Superman. Um we're gonna um get into the uh what this issue exactly is um but for anyone who uh out there who hasn't read the red sun uh line of comics of the red sun storyline in Superman uh be assured the reason we're jumping into this particular one is it raises a lot of really interesting issues and questions kind of that are a lot larger than this particular story, but that are about, you know, sort of the overall character of Superman himself, about ideas of what right and wrong and good and bad look like in totally different cultures, um, and what it would really do to a lot of the superheroes we know from the DC universe to put them in a very different context. So I hope whether or not you've read Red Sun, this is probably going to be a conversation that um a lot of you can really sink your teeth into. Um, so with that, Jess, why don't you, for those who haven't read it, tell us a little bit more about what is kind of the overall story of Red Son?
2: Absolutely, um, Superman Red Son is, is one of my favorite comics, um, and uh, that's all you need to know about it. Um, <laughs> it's 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 great. Uh, no, it's uh, Superman is a classic story. We all know, you know how that story goes. He he lands uh, near Smallville, and then blah 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 he's raised and all that stuff this is a different version of superman it's not that um in this version of superman uh, it's a, it's an alternate earth storyline so it, it occurs on a, a different earth in the dc universe because uh, there are plenty of those um uh, and he lands instead on a farm commune in the ukraine uh, and he's raised by a family there and he becomes a good soviet citizen uh, and. <clears throat> comes to comes to his you know adulthood kind of in the middle of of the Cold War. Uh and it his appearance saving people is publicized by the Soviet government as being uh you know the next advancement, if you will, in in their, their development of, of, of weaponry kind of is propagandized, if you will. Right. And that creates a problem for uh, the American government, who uh, now sees this as the next escalation of the Cold War and gets in touch with uh, Star Labs and Lex Luthor to um, to solve the Superman problem. Uh, and that's the premise of this story. Uh, and it goes on, it's broken into three different parts. It was three separate issues originally. If you were to get it now, you'd get it in uh, – in one big graphic novel, but it's three parts. The first one focuses on Superman's development, uh, and, and how people get to know him and, and, and the, you know, his initial rise, if you will. Uh, the second part is kind of, uh, how he kind of, how he changes the world by being there, um, without getting into too many details, and then the third part, of course, is a conclusion, and I don't want to get into any details on that yet because it's full of spoilers. Um, right. And I don't know have I have I summarized that well? You th- think there's anything truly important to the story that I missed there? I know we're going to get into more detail I think, later.
1: I, I think, uh, very broadly, yes. It, it's uh, you've already mentioned it's a it's an Elseworlds, or I think that's DC's version of it, but it's it's takes place in in one of the many many parallel universes in the DC uh, macroverse. Um and so there's no connection to our canon Superman that we're aware of in, in the Justice League and, and all of that. Um and then yeah, the principal conflict actually is uh still centered sort of in the uh Soviets between uh Soviets versus Americans, USSR versus USA. Um but the the part of what it explores is how Superman changes that balance of power and what that has to or what that does for the influence of the sort of uh, communist ideology in the world.
0: Right. Yeah, it, it's really a great story. And it's one I'm really glad that uh, you suggested, Jess, because I think it, um, it it raises some great questions and kind of just just sort of shifts so many of the characters who we know uh, into new ways. And as Jess mentioned, we're going to try and be a little bit vague about some of the the, the details, just in case some of you guys hear this and decide you want to go read it. And then at some point about halfway through we probably will kind of give a final spoiler warning and then jump into some of the the really nitty gritty of the stuff um but let me just start by actually we're gonna uh, we'll jump into Superman himself in a minute, but just just would start with what is it that for you made this one um w- when you thought about something you wanted to come on the show and talk about why was it this particular one that you thought this would be a great one to to really speak about?
2: Oh that's a great question um, there are aspects of Superman in this story that uh, speak to. Superman always kind of having the same ideals, whether he was raised in the Soviet Union or raised uh, in the United States. But then there are other aspects of Superman that are clearly different uh, being raised uh, in the communist society of, uh, of the USSR. Um, and it it asks a question about By you know, obviously we're talking about Superman, but for me, it asks the question about what what makes you you fundamentally. What parts of you are are immutable? What parts of you would be different if you were just in a different environment? And uh, that's a question I wonder about a lot. Uh, But it also is just fun because this story is is like I love what if stories in general. Mm -hmm. Just you know, if you if you go, hey, what what would have happened if you know Batman had Green Lantern's ring? I'm in. (laughs) I mean, <laughs> OK, uh, let's let's figure it out. And so I love those like, well, what if this thing was slightly different stories? Um, and uh, so that's what really intrigued me about Red, Red Sun at first. Uh, but I also think it does a really good job of, of asking the question, how much of Superman is the same and how much is different? How much does he change the world, uh, et cetera?
0: Right. What uh, what I, I oh. Go ahead
1: so so what i found uh particularly interesting i don't want to uh jump ahead too much but um the stuff that stays the same about superman makes you would think uh given the elevator pitch of this it's very highly possible on everybody's radar that it's you know a you know could be painted with the broad propaganda brush of like clearly ev- anyone who grows up under this ideology is, is corrupted and and doesn't have any values we can connect with. And what I love is that a lot of what, um, a lot of Superman's care and a lot of his, uh, connection with, um, with wanting to help people wanting to, uh, help the world is still there. It's that's yeah. all the same. Uh, and I really appreciated seeing how much of that was still present in this, in this world where, um, you know, obviously his uh, core ideology or the philosophy he was brought up to believe is a lot different.
0: Right. Well, I think actually that's a great way of putting it. That that should be a good lead into just discussing Superman himself and what changes and what stays the same. Because um, as people who've listened to this podcast before know, I am often fairly critical of Superman. I'm definitely more a Batman than a Superman guy. And one of my biggest problems with Superman often is how much he is sort of a, do it by the book. Go with the system. You know, do what the, the 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 people say. Um, according to like you know the 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 rules. Um, the the oh. big boy the big boy scout idea. And uh, to me, what I think that was interesting is I think, and the Superman stories that I often enjoy are the ones where they sort of highlight that is not always the best part of Superman. In this, I think one thing I really liked is Superman is a very different character in a lot of ways. But often the things that he's doing that are the most problematic are, again, him going along with the system because he is instead of going along with the problems of a capitalist freedom society, he's going along with the problems of a communist authoritarian society. So the -hmm. more I thought about it, the more I really loved that idea of showing like, you know, in some ways, Superman is always going to be the Boy Scout who says, yes, sir, what's the idea, no matter how different that idea is.
2: Yeah, he, he's definitely committed to order, um, right? And I think that that we delve into that, especially in the second the second installment of this series, uh, where he, you know, what happens when when Superman kind of is is the one who has to make the decisions instead of the one just like following the order, right? Right. Um, and I don't, I don't. Yeah, I, I, I uh personally on a on a different note outside of Superman, I just think that like the more power a single entity conglomerates, whatever conglomerates may have the word word, c you know, connects all together in one space, the more opportunity for bad things to occur exists. Right. Um, and I think that's exactly what happens in this scenario.
1: Right. And what, what's especially interesting I think is that uh, Superman is reluctant to accumulate power beyond what he what what he has natively. Right. So we, we see this in the in the first arc, if you will, of of this three arc saga where he's flitting about uh, saving people when he becomes aware of these different disasters that are happening, Um, which was one of the best touches I could uh, I I thought was he would be engaging with somebody on, you know, some like world shaping conversation, like what's the direction of the country or whatever. And then suddenly it's like, Oh, sorry, I've got to go for a second. There's a power plant that's in trouble. Right. Um, But there's a, there's a part where he's talking with, uh, with a colleague slash political rival, I guess in, uh, in Piotr. Uh, It was a character who was introduced to us as a illegitimate son of Stalin. Did I get that right from the narrative? That's correct. Yeah. 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 So, and, and like he wants to succeed Stalin, Uh, Piotr wants to succeed Stalin. And Superman definitely doesn't in the in the early part. He's like, I don't want to be the leader of the country. That is a that's also a common thread in Superman stories that I've read. Is he's he's happy to help. He's reluctant to take that leadership role where he has to make decisions.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And often he ends in, ends up in analysis paralysis
0: mode when he does have to make decisions. And and my take on this – and tell me if you guys agree with this – is that this again is the sort of the difference in the two systems in that – because uh, just to make clear, one thing that happens in the story is that after Stalin dies, there really isn't anyone to – a, there's a danger of the USSR falling into anarchy and much as he doesn't want to, Superman does basically take on the, the, the mantle of leadership of the Soviet mm-hmm. Union, something mm-hmm. he never does, at least as far as I know or very rarely does in any Superman comic uh, set in the United States and 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 my take on that was that this is again it, it's highlighting the difference in structure because the Soviet Union you know in in the United States people might want you know him to run for president or something like that but there is a established system of who becomes a president that if Superman doesn't step into someone else will in the Soviet Union where you really had a structure especially in the 50s when when Stalin would have died where you know that the idea was whoever is the strongest person in the communist structure is supposed to take over. Mm-hmm. It makes much more sense that everyone would therefore look to Superman as literally that the ideal man, and thus you would have to sort of take over power. Is that is that kind of how he, how you read that? I would agree
2: with that. I wanted to point out. I actually wanted to uh, uh, read a quote from it, if that's all right. Go for um, it. Yes,
1: there's. I know. Yeah, there's, yeah, this is a good one.
2: Where uh, he's. it doesn't say who he's speaking to, but I assume from the backdrop he's speaking to the communist, or members of the Communist Party. Uh, And uh, Superman says, why should the fact that I was born with privileges qualify me as the leader uh, of the social, I'm sorry, as a leader of a socialist republic? I'm sorry, comrades, but the very idea of this is in complete contradiction to everything we were raised to believe in. Um, And what you kind of pointed out there uh, just a moment ago is that that idea that he says is in, you know, contradiction to what he was raised to believe in is kind of how things worked in yeah. the Soviet Communist Party. Um, and as we know, if you if you are a student of history, there that that party was, you know, very flawed in terms of mm-hmm. of of some of the what they said were their ideals, and then what they actually did. Um, those did not line up. Um, and uh, you know, so he's here. He is going uh you know no i can't do this because he doesn't say this but basically you know truth justice in the communist way right um, and and then it's a little bit later when he's looking around and basically he can't fix something and that is that there are children starving he can't fix that by by breaking something or holding something up or punching something that he decides, okay, I guess I have to be in charge. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: No, I think that's a great point. I, mean, I know historians often talk about how that you can sort of distinguish between two very different political systems of communism versus Stalinism, and that, you know, most right. of the Soviet Union became more Stalinistic than communist. And and yeah, I think it's interesting to look at Superman in this as someone who, his ideals are not necessarily Stalinist, they are communist, but he is or in sort of a kind of Lenin, Marxist-Leninist idealized way, but that he is... Over the course of the story, kind of getting pulled more and more into that. Okay, well, I have the power, so I have to help people, and now these people are getting in the way of me helping them, so I have to stop them. You know, it's, it's all the sort of classic steps of going more and more into authoritarianism. But mm-hmm. he does
1: draw a personal line uh, that I that I found very fascinating and very consistent with Superman in in other stories, in that he. Uh, adamantly like he wants to win the culture war as a leader of the of the ussr and he adamantly refuses to use military intervention in the case of the the remaining holdouts of the world because spoiler for a little bit down the line but not the conclusion most of the world ends up uh joining the uh as sort of a, um, holding up a mirror to our own world, uh, the United States is like – ends up being the last bastion of capitalism and is, and is falling apart and is having uh, a bunch of social issues and the rest of the world is sort of uniting under the, uh, under the communist banner.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. So and let's back up a bit because I, 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 we're jumping into some great stuff, but I wanted to kind of um, start a little bit more with, with Superman himself and it's me who took us off on this tangent. Um, <laughs> but, but when you look at this, what do you think – how is this Superman the same? Like what? What shines through about this Superman, where you kind of look at it and say, whether Ukraine or Kansas, this this seems to be a, a similar trait.
2: Well, you you already pointed out his his kind of desire for order, his need to just go along with the system that right. that exists. Right. He believes that the communist. He firmly believes the communist system is is you know the right way to go about things, um, and I think he believes it every bit as much as his as his. Uh, main storyline counterpart believes in democracy uh, and believes in uh, I shouldn't say democracy but believes in in American society if you will right um and uh, you know that that's it's almost like he's very moldable in that system just like this is the way things are supposed to be so I'm gonna uphold it
0: yeah i I, I think I, I wrote in the notes that I I this kind of made me think of Superman as a sponge, you know, and right. that he really is the sort of person who, and, and, and it's actually in some ways is fitting with the, the things that, you know, jor is supposed to have said to him as he's going to earth, you know, go and learn their ways, learn their values. That's kind of what Superman does in both of these versions. It's just that he encounters a very different part of earth than the, the more traditional story.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and he has this uh, inability still to, to ignore a, a perceived need so basically if he if he feels like this doing this thing will make the world a better place for him it's a no-brainer he immediately just does what he can to make that happen um mm-hmm. and doesn't really proceed to the next logical step uh it becomes a, a pitfall for later where where it's you know He's sort of taken on a slow march towards something that is ultimately not okay, but it's, you know, each each individual step, it's like, yes, this will make the world a better place, therefore I'm going to do it. Uh, Again, very, very consistent with his Superman and other stories.
2: The big thing that I think is different is how much he values individual freedom over the common good. Mm.
0: Uh,
1: Whereas he, yeah, he definitely values the common good way more here, I feel. Is that where you were going with that?
2: Right, exactly. Is that that is a significant difference? Whereas, whereas the the, um, traditional Superman uh, would definitely value individualism. Um, He kind of exemplifies individualism in a way. Um, This Superman does not.
0: Right, and and again, that that, I mean, that's very you know, if if you sort of imagine what would you learn in a school in kansas in the 1930s versus a school in the ukraine that's probably one of the first things that would come to mind is that very distinct mm-hmm. difference
2: yeah and i know it's uh it's not dc uh but uh uh it reminds me a little bit of professor x's first meeting with colossus
0: mm. um, i don't think I've, I've read that if, so, you say so it,
2: that. Uh, well originally uh one of the stories that that was written about it because you know there are so many origin stories for x-men um Professor X goes to uh, Colossus and Colossus also lives on a, on a farm commune in the Soviet union at the time. Mm. Um, and, uh, and he, but he doesn't really like, he knows he's different, but he like, you know, moves big boulders on the farm and stuff. And. Uh, Professor X is explaining to him how powerful he actually is and how he can use that power for good. And he says, but if I have this power that you say I have, doesn't that belong to the state?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Doesn't that belong to the people? And Professor X tells him that power, like yours, belongs to the world. Uh, and it's an interesting—it's an interesting thought process of of you know whatever we have should be given to everybody um, rather than. Rather than trying to accumulate something for yourself, which is the kind of opposite ideal there, and both of these, I think, have their extreme versions, which right. end up end up bad, and that might be what this is trying to point out. But uh, you know, I, I, it reminded me a little bit of that when we were talking about, well, what do you learn growing up in these in these environments? And again, it brings me to that question: Well, how would I be different in that environment? Right.
0: Right. Uh, yeah, I and mean, I think that's a great part of the, cause it, because, in some ways, this is all nature versus nurture, and it, it's an interesting right. thing of like. What, even for ourselves what do we think are our own core values and how would they how would they stay the same or not um mm-hmm. one thing that i i'm kind of curious what you guys thought of this um you know in the original superman the the symbol that he wears you know the superman symbol that we all know it's the s that that we think of as for superman but it's supposed to be that in the um uh kryptonian language that it's the 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 crest of the the family of of kalel i believe um uh, and in here – and so that, that symbol is not in any way associated with um, capitalism or America. It's just a Superman symbol. Here in this story, he wears a symbol that is distinctly the hammer and sickle of the Soviet Union, but again in that kind of same shape of the crest. Um, what was your take on that? I couldn't tell if that was just kind of a narrative thing of um, just helping us to remind us that this is a different character or if there was something there about – that that this character maybe has a little less of a connection to you know the house of el and krypton and 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 those ideals than than the the american version
2: i think it absolutely has uh has that implication right of less of a connection but i think the 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 like if anything that that less implication was probably thought of because they wanted the, like i i can easily imagine this whole concept starting with that costume right <clears throat> there's a very striking visual there when you put superman on the cover of a comic book with hammer and sickle in that crest uh that's an incredibly striking visual you know immediately what's happening and i think i think that's the whole reason for that
1: I, I also think it does tie into the the difference in um how superman uh, wants to present himself Uh, to two others so in in our traditional form he wears that crest because he i if i recall the story correctly like it was found as part of like his origin and so it's very it's something that means something to him individually and personally right and here superman is bearing the symbol of the state uh because i believe he sees himself as just another agent of the state another another participant in the collective and so for that, for him, if you put anything else there, I feel like he would think that would be him putting himself above everybody else, which would not fit with that ideology.
0: Right. I mean, it's certainly against – it speaks to this idea of the individual of – of the collective versus the individual that, Jess, you were bringing up at the very beginning. Um yeah, so I think that's that's definitely an interesting read on it because I, I think it, you may you know it, I mean in the same way that as far as I understand that original S was not drawn to be a symbol of the House of L. It was meant to just be he's Superman. He's got an S on his chest, <laughs> and then later that interpretation was read in. I think you may be right. It may well be that they started with the Hamler and sickle just because it looked freaking badass, and then right. later we're like, okay, so what are actually the implications of that? What does that mean? Um, but it it was just a, a subtle thing, which that I kept thinking about as I saw it. Um, are there any other kind of differences that, uh, either you guys, uh, were particularly aware of in terms of like, when you're looking at this Superman and you're thinking, wow, this is a, a pretty different take on, on this character. Uh, I mean, obviously it gets
2: different as the story goes on, but as far as like the initial character goes, I think, I think the, the, the whole first issue of this series, this little mini series was more about establishing similarities than differences. Right. Uh, mm-hmm about saying this really is superman it's just that he's superman in soviet union uh and uh you know he goes around he saves people he annoys people by you know rudely leaving them to go save people in a fire somewhere (laughs) um and uh um he's just you know he's this all-around good guy and he even saves people outside the soviet union Mm -hmm. um and, uh, that's like, you know, it's, it's very Superman, right? You, in fact, they make you kind of want to like this guy. And that's the point. You do like this guy, uh, even though, you know, you know, historically the Soviet Union during the cold war was the, the, supposed to be the bad guy and all this, you you still have this like affection for this character, Superman. And I think they wanted to establish that right off the bat. Yeah.
0: I mean, one thing that I noticed that I thought was really interesting was they show, you know, the American government and I think it's President Eisenhower and the CIA and all them mm-hmm. immediately totally freaking out and going, oh, my God, this guy is going to destroy us. He's going to destroy the American way. The Soviet Union's going to win the Cold War. And I kept waiting for that section where, you know, he goes and builds a new Berlin Wall or, you know, tears down the American missiles in Turkey. And it never comes. There's nothing Superman right. does that is him taking definitive action to defeat America in the Cold War. It's just that they can't help – and I, I thought this was actually a really insightful idea – is that the Americans couldn't help but see this as a weapon in the Cold War, even though Superman never tries to be that. He, he wants to show that the Soviet Union is great and that everyone should live under communism, but he never wants it to be a, okay, I'm going to use my power to go you know, push back the Americans in Korea or Vietnam or anything like that.
2: Right right and they even uh they even reference that that's still going on um mm-hmm. in the rest of the world um yeah they they do forget it i think that's that's not historically inaccurate if you consider you know the red scare if you will yep. um how how much americans were were terrified of anything that resembled communism
0: what happened when sputnik first went up and you know all of a sudden they, even, even though clearly there was implications of it this was just a satellite just to do space exploration and americans just saw this as oh my god they're going to st- you know, drop nukes from from space on us and things like that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can't imagine what they would think in, in reality, if, if Superman existed, you know, in the enemy's ranks, you know, right. Um, that, that would have been in, incredibly bad for, for public perception.
0: The, the story doesn't get a chance to explore this more, but I kind of, I, it really wouldn't have been time, but I would love to see this side explored more because, Especially in the 1950s, but even today, there is such this story of American exceptionalism, and you know, we are the the shining city on the hill. We are the country that many believe is you know chosen by God to be the the best and the brightest. And, and I would love to think what happens to that ideology when the aliens come to Earth and go to the Soviets instead of us, you know, and that the best right. and the brightest isn't an American but is a Russian.
2: They didn't go into that too much, but they like they definitely imply that that the Americans kind of vilify Superman, right? They're terrified right. of him with no reason to be terrified of him. Like they, other than the fact that he is powerful, they have no cause to be afraid of Superman other than that he is powerful and he is communist.
0: The story does a good job, I think, of illustrating that the only thing they really have to be scared of, and, and here maybe they do have to be scared of it, is is that exact, that what Superman does is to win the ideology war that to all the rest of the world looking and saying like, is the communist system better or is the the capitalist system better? Superman being on the communist side is a powerful thing in that regard. Um, Anything else on differences, especially Jacob and Jess and I have gone some back and forth. Do you have any other differences you wanted to uh, throw out before we move to the next thing?
1: Not that doesn't spoil the, the stuff way toward the end, uh, which I do not want to do because that's, we definitely want a separation there.
0: Definitely. Do we
2: Want to talk at all about other characters? They do. Yeah. Yes. They do kind of a like a shotgun of other characters right at the beginning, like characters you know exist in in Superman's reality. What are they? What are they up to in this reality? Um, you know, you've right. got. Yeah.
1: Go ahead. Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like Jimmy Olsen works ends up working for the CIA, right? Yeah, Jimmy, uh, yeah. Right?
0: Lex Luther is the scientist at Star Laboratory. Who is you know working on behalf of the American government to stop Superman um I don't think we ever get any he's obviously sort of very nefarious and has all sorts of like motives, but i we, i think I don't think we ever get any kind of super criminal aspect to him right? He's always kind of a legitimate part of the american plan
2: uh no, he goes rogue for a while after after one of his plans fails oh that's uh, right yeah he he actually kills everybody in in Mm -hmm. star labs and like goes rogue and then some years later reemerges working for the cia they never explain how that happened
0: (laughs) right um and and yeah and and as you said jimmy olsen is kind of helping him out lois lane is married to lex luther which seemed kind of odd to me but but okay an interesting choice um but let's in particular talk about some of the uh, other justice league people because i know you were really interested in, in their portrayal um guess what what did you kind of take out of this from the way it portrays characters like um uh Hal jordan in particular or, or wonder woman and batman so
2: moving moving into those characters um wonder woman i think is the most the same
0: mm-hmm. uh
2: wonder woman is uh uh she is still from themisera uh if i'm pronouncing that correctly mm-hmm. um she's she kind of is on this diplomatic mission to the Soviet union and, and she and Superman first meet. Uh, and later she kind of allies with the Soviet union, partly because of Superman. So she's working, working for Superman, but like her backstory is like a hundred percent the same up to that point. As far right. as we can tell, um, there are other characters, uh, Hal Jordan is, he's actually not brought in until so much later in the story. But Hal Jordan is who who is a uh he's the original Green Lantern. Uh if no, he's not the original Green Lantern. He's the second Green Lantern. Sorry. Um he was the second Green Lantern in uh in the storyline. Um he's brought in kind of as a weapon by the United States. They they the the uh the alien ship that crashes, it turns out, was, you know, this big cover up in New Mexico. Uh and uh they find this ring and this lantern and and Lex Luthor figures it figures out what it's all for, uh but can't use it himself because it's powered by honesty and willpower. <laughs> um, he is one of those it, things so. in abundance,
1: but uh, <laughs> we'll give you a guess which one
2: but uh but they painted how- Jordan's character very differently um they gave him this backstory of uh having been a prisoner of war um and They gave him this backstory where he spent his entire time as a prisoner of war imagining building a prison for his captors and imagining it in literal, you know, time-dependent detail. When he was imagining building it, he didn't just imagine its existence. He imagined physically building it brick by brick. Um, And as much time as that would take, that's how much time he took visualizing it. And, and he, despite all the fact that he was in this POW camp in, in uh, Malaysia, I think. Uh, and uh, so they go through all this stuff that demonstrates even more so than I think the character ever had in, in his original incarnation that like he might be a little crazy to cause it, but he has just extreme willpower. Um. So I think they they, possibly painted this Hal Jordan as arguably the most powerful green lantern that i've seen um now that that's you can get into some arguments about that cuz green lantern does some crazy stuff so not an experienced yeah. green lantern but probably one of the most powerful does that like
0: that sounds yeah it? And I'll say I, I, I mostly know um, – I, I should have admitted a while ago, but my fans know – my, my fans. The, the listeners of this podcast know um, I, I am definitely a dirty casual. I mostly know this stuff from the TV and the movies, not the comic books themselves. Uh-huh. So my, my primary knowledge of um, Green Lantern is from uh, the John Stewart of the Justice League cart- cartoons, um, mm-hmm. comics, uh, animated TV show. But I, but yeah, that 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 did strike me, and certainly that it seemed that like they were doing so much to to highlight him as this like you know rock you know iron willed person who could do right. who could withstand anything. I, well, he did I a thing
2: that I've never seen a Green Lantern do. Which yeah, I don't know if you is this a is this a this is too much of a spoiler to talk about this? Um, or he? I don't he, think so. I well, let me, so we let do.
0: me let me actually just say one other quick thing then about his character, like sort of sure. as a setup, and then get into it, which is because um, in that prison thing, I I don't know the exact details, but I remember, you know, in part of the stories about his eulogy when John McCain passed away, it was mentioned many times that he did something sim- like nowhere near as extreme, but he did something similar in terms uh-huh. of like this long ongoing visualization of how he would you know deal with his captors when he was in that North Vietnamese prison cell. Um. And maybe that was just me because I I know a lot about McCain, but I I certainly was reading Hal Jordan's story and thinking of that um, and was wondering if that was meant to be one more way of highlighting, like, this is not just a heroic soldier. This is very, very much an American soldier. This is Hal Jordan Mm -hmm. is now very much a stand in of, you know, peace, justice in the American way, in the way that Superman would have been had he landed in Kansas. Did did, did either of you guys have a take like that?
2: Uh, I definitely saw the John McCain parallel uh i wish one of my biggest problems with this with this uh comic is honestly that it didn't delve more into this character um mm-hmm. I, I think he would have been a great uh great antagonist for for this superman um but i i don't know about so much of the like truth justice uh, in the american way or or however you phrased it but uh i agree that he definitely was being painted as a hero Right. He was right. definitely being painted as like the ultimate American good guy. Uh, and clearly he was being manipulated by Lex Luthor.
1: Um, Which so, is yeah. the story of most American characters through the course of this storyline. Right. So yeah. it's, it's not any different. And that's, I think, why we end up getting a lot less of him, because the, the way it's painted in the story, he's just another tool. That Lex is—I don't want to call him a tool because his character is very impressive—but um, in terms of, he's another weapon that Lex levies against uh, Superman. And mm. in that sense, it's it's less about what he can do. I feel like the 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 whole thing about building that prison brick by brick was a very powerful uh, metaphor, very very powerful visual. Uh, is basically meant to sell us on why Lex Luthor was convinced that this person is the ideal candidate for this power that he's now figured out.
0: Oh, Yeah, so with that, let let me just kind of give a spoiler warning. Um, We're now going to start to dive into some more of the exact details of the story. Um, I think, frankly, even knowing them, it'll still be a really good read. But for anybody who who really wants to read the story and and fully experience it without knowing things, I would say hit pause right now. Um, You can, certainly better to to purchase it if you can, but this um, story is available online. Um mm-hmm. you know if you search for Red Sun, you can find it, read it, and then if you want to come back, because now we're gonna start getting into some more spoiler territory. So with that, I, um
2: go ahead. You could get the you can get the uh the Kindle ebook for like less than ten bucks.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a good way to uh, do so, then. And this I purchased
1: a physical copy from my local comic book store, which they uh they do like your business, so if you're into that at all, I would encourage you to do that
2: i have I have both a physical copy and the digital copy
1: <laughs> oh, you're one of those people
2: um, <laughs> <laughs> No, the truth is so actually here's what happened is uh, prior to recording this podcast, I wanted to make sure I had reread it um, mm-hmm. and so I went to go grab my copy from my bookshelf, and then that is when I realized I had lent it to someone uh and didn't have a cop my physical copy. So I actually bought the digital copy recently so I could read it again before this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, uh but uh, that's how I know you can you can get it there. Um but yeah, what I was going to say about uh about Hal Jordan is that he does this thing that I, I as far as I know, and I'm not a huge Green Lantern buff, but uh as far as I know nobody's done this. He visualizes and creates with his Green Lantern l- ring. An entire fleet of Green Lantern rings mm-hmm. that he that he's able to give to a bunch of people that of course they call the Green Lantern Corps.
0: Um, I, I was wondering about that because I wasn't clear on what, so that because I, I I thought that maybe he had, like a whole bunch of Green Lanterns had like come to Earth to help him in some sort of Green Lantern Corps deciding that Superman was a problem. So so that's actually a much more interesting take and I, I think that makes more sense to what the story was spo- trying to say.
2: Well one thing I noticed, uh and this is this is uh, it's a nice little Easter egg, is uh there are during the uh the, the Green Lantern Corps has a battle with Superman, obviously it's gonna happen. Um, and during that time, uh he references a few of the individuals by name, and the names are like Rayner and Gardner, as in Kyle mm-hmm. Rayner, a Kyle Green Rainer Lantern and Guy, and Guy Gardner, a Green Lantern. Um so like they imply that at least some of these Green Lanterns are the, the other human Green Lanterns that that have existed, um, mm. but but also none of them appeared to be alien. Um, and one of the one of the you know if you ever seen a, a collection of Green Lanterns in an image, a lot of them look very non-human. Uh, and we didn't see that, so it definitely led me to thinking that he was actually creating these other rings. And then when Superman eventually defeats them, uh, it's because he takes Hal Jordan's ring. Right, and when he does that, the problem goes away. Uh, mm-hmm. His problem, which is the Green Lantern Corps. So that—that's all of that's what led me to believe that all of those rings were a construct of Hal Jordan's
0: imagination. Yeah, I mean that yeah, certainly I, would be a good reading of it, and, and it's interesting to say. That certainly, my understanding of what we're talking about here is that it's—it's it's not one hundred percent clear, which I also think is kind of an interesting uh, perspective.
2: Yeah, it's not. They—they—they they, uh, they talk about—they uh, talk about how you know, how powerful and how strong his will is and everything. And then they just kind of like suddenly surprise you with this. And there's like a hundred of them um, out of nowhere, which I thought was pretty cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, the visuals that we get, uh, he's the only one not encased in a full uh, green light suit. Uh-huh. And it does. And there's never a moment in that scene where his ring is not glowing, even when it's not projecting things. So I, so I didn't get that. When I read it for the first time, that wasn't uh, something that I thought of about where the other rings came from. But it tracks, uh, and if so, it is the most impressive thing I've seen a Green Lantern do in, in any comics I've read. Uh, <laughs> because I didn't think that was, like, the, the Green Lantern power presumably has no limits, right? But I've never seen it do something where it's like, I'm just going to procreate because I feel like it. You know, let, <laughs> let me give this power to a bunch of other people. It's just yeah. Well, and right. this raises
0: a question that I had, and again, I I'm not as versed in the the comics DC lore as as uh, either of you may be, so maybe you can better educate me here. But there were things that Superman did, both the the level of his perception of like problems happening everywhere, some of his interactions with others, but especially once we see that Hal Jordan is super super plus size Green Lantern and superman is still able to defeat him quite easily
2: i thought that this, was really disappointing
0: well yeah. it, it seemed disappointing as a story but but i'm i'm also wondering was your take that this superman is supposed to be significantly more powerful than the superman of the the american superman because certainly he seemed relative to the other justice league type people much more powerful
2: um so my read on it was and this is consistent with other superman stories that i'm aware of that the older Superman, when we get to the end of the story, is significantly more powerful
0: mm. uh,
2: he he's and that's that's something i've uh it's something i i if if I'm remembering correctly is consistent with the stories where as he gets older, this like the amount of yellow sun ray absorption he has had yep. has made him stronger, and I think that's what's occurring here is this is this is a you know, by the time we get to that point in the story, we're talking like 2004. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, all these characters are much older and I think that's, that's just what's happening there.
1: Right. He's just so. been soaking up so much of those good, good rays that he's just now like supercharged and that, yeah. So, right. that, and that's something that's mentioned in, um, in, uh, kingdom come as well. If you remember Matthew, that, mm-hmm. uh, he's been, you know, hanging out in Kansas just soaking up sun and not doing anything for years and years and years and so when he makes his return to the scene he is the strongest he's ever been. Now if you um, want a,
2: if you want a narrative uh like an a, an in-world example of this uh in this story, you'll see that um in the case of fighting the green lanterns, he is able to and the way he defeats them is by by moving so fast that how Jordan can't keep up and stealing his ring from him, just like running up and taking his ring. Mm -hmm. And, uh, just the phenomenal speed he would have to exhibit to do that is, is clear, but there's an earlier point where he's fighting Batman and he could have pulled off the same trick and he didn't.
0: mm. Yeah, that's a good point.
2: Uh, and, uh, And so that like that's that at first I thought that that was an inconsistent thing. But if his powers grew stronger with age, it's not inconsistent.
1: And just a just another point on that. It's not just the speed either. The amount of control he has to have to not also rip off the finger. Yeah. Is like. Yeah. Again, it's something that uh, our Earth Superman usually can't do something quite that good. The Flash can. Um, But not. uh, Not Kal-El. Um, yeah. That but, makes but sense. But from a but but from a, a perspective of so that that particular conflict happens um, right toward the the end of the show, sort of uh, what's the word I want to use? Cognitive showdown between Lex Luthor and Superman mm-hmm. because there's a lot of physical threats so, thrown at Superman, but ultimately um, what uh, Lex Luthor does that proves to be the best foil to him is to effectively introduce and win an intellectual argument right um which part of the reason that works of course is that superman and this is something i alluded to earlier and now we can we 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 said spoilers are on right yep we're we're good for that so uh he's been superman at one point uh brainiac enters the picture and this is not a a fabrication of Lex Luthor. brainiac is uh i'm given to understand visits earth etc um and he
2: is he is in some ways in league with Lex Luthor. It is implied.
1: Right, right, exactly. But and he's not so, a creation of him. Correct, and so Lex six, uh, Brainiac on Superman, and Superman believes that what is what he has done is reprogram Brainiac to you know serve the good, serve the common good, and uh, in working with Brainiac, we end we end up in a, a Soviet Union where some people some elements that have not perhaps fallen completely in line and and were more chaotic have now been reprogrammed and by elements i mean uh human beings have been reprogrammed in order to conform and comply and and create a more ordered society Uh and this we're given to understand is a very gradual change but it's something that and that's a huge difference uh because i do not believe for a second that our Earth Superman would have started down this particular rabbit hole uh, because right. of the focus on, no, you have to have individual freedom. We can't take that away from you. I can't take away your your ability to choose. Um, part of right. that, of course, is Brainiac lets Superman think that Superman succeeded in reprogramming, uh, in reprogramming Brainiac, but... Uh, It's still this case where he is slowly sort of manipulated over time into buying into this line that we can fix the people and that'll fix the world. That'll make the world a better place.
0: Yeah. And and I will say, and here I'm going to give my mind a rant because this was, I think, the one part of the story that most fell flat to me was the reveal that Brainiac was kind of manipulating Superman all along. Um, And I've referenced this before, but one of my least favorite moments in all of sci-fi superheroes or any of this is in attack of the clones the, the the second of the star wars prequel movies when we realize that count dooku has been working for palpatine the whole time and the reason i don't like that is because i really love stories about people who think they are doing the right things and completely on their own in their desire to do the right things wind up coming to do terrible evil things um and and in some ways I felt like that was what so was such a good story about this. And 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 maybe you guys saw it differently. I, I kind of felt like that was undercut a little bit by the brainiac story by the brainiac sort of betrayal. Because to me what was really interesting was the idea that Superman on his own, raised in this very different society, could come to make these very different, very problematic decisions. And and I kind of felt like learning that Brainiac had been kind of twisting that knife all along cheapened that a bit. What what was your kind of take on that reveal?
1: I mean, I personally disagree. I don't actually think that cheapened that at all. Uh, because the 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 powerful point of the reveal for me was that uh, I mean not not the uh the betrayal but prior to that point um already that superman was not only allowing this but like endorsing it being like we're going to do this apparently this is this works um and was you know he didn't seem to show any any problems any uh what's the word i want to say he i didn't see him doing any uh introspection or navel gazing over whether or not that was right uh and so to me even though uh we are then given to understand it was uh Brainiac's idea, or, or or at least something that uh, re- originated from there, I do feel like Superman bought into it and then realized way toward the end of the story what had happened or what he had been doing. Jess, what are your thoughts?
2: I think there are a couple of different ways you can interpret this situation. Uh, the first one is what you've described, where he just utterly failed to reprogram Brainiac. Um, And that Brainiac's been manipulating him the whole time. And I think that the second one is that he sort of succeeded in reprogramming Mm -hmm. Brainiac. Um, See, Brainiac's goals, Brainiac, the things Brainiac was doing was very different from what Brainiac did before that point, right? He was going around collecting little cities and and observing Mm -hmm. them and collecting data. Um, And he'd been reprogrammed to serve the common good. Uh, And... And that's what Brainiac was doing at the end of this story was trying to make the entire world communist, Um, which isn't really in keeping with Brainiac's character from Mm – assuming he wasn't reprogrammed. Uh, So like I think Brainiac was still like, I'm in control of myself, but I have new goals now. Um, And so that's kind of the beginning at the end there is a little bit of a problem of Superman's own making. Um, right, but also I think it was a, it was an important, unfortunately, uh, maybe a, a necessary weasel, uh, because uh, at the end of this story, you have to, in order for Superman to come out looking at all like a hero, he needs something to defeat, mm-hmm. uh, and that we got that in Brainiac at the very end of the story, uh, when when Superman realizes the error of his ways, he, he needs something to make him look like still a good guy and that's saving the world from brainiac. Right. Um and uh so I
0: think that's that's where we're at there. Um I I, I like that twist, especially because and maybe I'm reading too much into this. I, I I'm I'm trying to trying to find it actually as we talk to see what the exact wording is. But but I do kind of like the like like I guess you could see it in two ways. One is that brainiac is actively trying to get superman to do things that superman doesn't want to do but the Uh other is that now we have this kind of story of the person who's created the robot that does the thing that they never quite intended but that the robot is misinterpreting them you know where brainiac quite you know brainiac thinks that he is doing what superman would want but that superman doesn't have the sort of heart to do so brainiac has to kind of manipulate him into it um because then, if that's kind of the reading of it, then it really gets into this idea of what, to, to what extent does Brainiac represent sort of the direction that Superman has been going without even meaning it,
2: right? And um, so, so Brainiac does say that he uh, benefits of the digital version. Uh, Brainiac does say, "I wasn't under your command; you were under mine." Uh, mm-hmm. You know, expanding and consuming country by country until an entire world ran to my ideals.
0: Um, All right, so scratch that theory <laughs> well, well I mean,
2: I don't think it scratches that theory because that's like if he is reprogrammed, all of that can still be true. His ideals are just different, right um, his desire to control an entire planet is is really a question here, like why would he do that now, that being said, like yeah he he at the very least believes he was controlling Superman um but yeah like i I I don't know. They never really explain where Brainiac came from in this world either. Yeah, Brainiac's just like a big problem all around. Uh so let's talk about Batman. Um, sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I like punting. Go ahead.
0: <laughs>
2: um so in c- the c- in the middle portion of the story, um, we're we're uh we're introduced to Batman who we mentioned uh Piotr earlier,
0: right? Mhm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the illegitimate a... son of Stalin who is who kind of wish becomes sort of Superman's advisor but also is kind of wishing he would be in power instead of Superman.
2: Right. Now, early in the story, uh he tells the tale of having confronted uh a couple of people who were distributing anti-Superman leaflets in Stalin's Russia, Stalin's, Stalin's Soviet Union. And uh he ends up killing them, of course, because he's he's that kind of character. Right um, and uh ends up leaving uh this this little boy there with his dead parents, and as you can probably guess since I already mentioned him, this boy becomes Batman in this in this red sun world um and Batman is just this like vigilante rebel who's trying to fight this huge system where superman. Can you know take control of people's minds, so to speak? Um, actually, literally, just take control of people's minds with with the technology from Brainiac. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, he's trying to fight this system. uh So he's he's a different character. He is not the same Batman, but he is he does have a lot of the same kind of motives of like I have to fight this corruption. I have to, to deal with this problem. Nobody else will deal with uh, and. He's got this this dark past where he's orphaned, and his parents were killed um but he is also living in the Soviet Union and not uh not an American, which I found interesting. They never gave his name. he's likely not Bruce Wayne if there is a Bruce Wayne in this world, he's not Batman, so that's mm-hmm. another interesting point. but I can't imagine you you can't really have a Bruce Wayne uh that is the traditional Bruce Wayne when your story is capitalism is failing miserably. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's really hard to say, uh, well, we've got this, this super rich, you know, effectively aristocrat character.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and you and I were discussing this on text a little bit. I, I, I went back and, and reread this and I realized I was, it, it never really answers. C- Cause to me, the the, 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 I'm looking at the page when he's introduced and it describes Batman as a, um. Uh, Superman is describing him as a force of chaos in my world of perfect order, the dark side of the Soviet dream, rumored to be a thousand murdered dissidents. So he's clearly not supposed to be like an American agent. He's he's a, a as you said he's a Russian, a Soviet himself. And and I remember reading it wondering is he supposed to be the person who's fighting to sort of overthrow communism because he wants capitalism and wants to stop Superman, or is he supposed to be kind of like a Trotskyite, like Stalin is is you know, impure communism. It should be like the anarchy of communism. Like, he, is he kind of coming at it from the left or the right in terms of what what direction is he attacking Superman from? Um, right. And I wish I wish they had gone into a little bit more about that because I think that would be really fascinating. Um, but even so, he winds up being I think a very interesting foil to this version of Superman.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and the way he does this, um, since we're in spoiler land, uh, the way he does this is ultimately he has this plot. Where he somehow captures Wonder Woman off screen, uh, which I kind of wish they'd explain, but they didn't. Uh-huh. Uh, and we find Wonder Woman has been has been tied up in her own lasso of truth, and um, and this in this way he's he's set up a trap for Superman. And what Superman doesn't know is that through Piotr, ironically, uh, Batman has been in contact or at least gotten technology from. The United States of America at this point that means from Lex Luthor and uh, Superman walks into a trap where he is uh, bombarded by red light red sunlight basically and uh, it zaps his power and Batman starts beating the crap out of him and he doesn't know what's going on because for the first time in his adult life uh, he actually has the ability to be injured and bleed um, and Batman beats him up, throws him in an underground cell. In the they actually, this whole thing takes place at an old, uh, uh, it's an old prison, right? For, uh, it's one of Stalin's prisons for, for political dissidents.
1: I think, no, I think it's.
2: <clears throat> yes,
1: yes, it is. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of the, uh, now abandoned prisons.
2: Uh, and so anyway, he, th- he throws, uh, Superman down there. At which point, Superman encourages Wonder Woman to find the power source for these lights and destroy it. And in order to do that, and he knows this, she'll have to break the lasso, uh, the lasso of truth. And when I first read this story, I'm just like, "Wait, hold on! What is he talking about? You can't break the lasso of truth." Uh, and then she does it, mm-hmm. and just like busts out of it, uh, and it just it it. Like, after this point, she's just burned up. Like, I mean, literally burned up. Like, there's smoke coming off of her. uh, And she looks older and has gray hair. And uh, I've been thinking about that a lot. Uh, I've been trying to figure out, like, why did she look that way exactly? What's going on? And I was wondering, a thought occurred to me, and that is, how old is she at this point? Because Wonder Woman doesn't age, right? Right. Right. Diana is approximately
1: Superman's contemporary, right? Well, maybe. Yeah, we don't actually like, and yeah, I, I, I don't know canonically which one of them was was actually born first.
0: I, right. I, I mean, by by some definition, by some re- certainly by the movie, which I know Jacob you haven't seen, but by the movie and and I think by some of the canon versions, she is um as old as the Greek gods. I mean, she was born right. sometime around for – you know, whenever sort of the time of Zeus and the heroes was, and and like all of the sort of Greek mythology, she aged to be you know, perfect young adulthood and mm-hmm. then never aged further.
2: Uh, so depending on, on exactly where you think uh, her powers come from in this, in this world, it might be that, you know, there have been a couple of instances where the, the, in other stories where the lasso has broken and usually it comes with a rejection of truth. I think Jacob, you mentioned this earlier when we were talking about that. Yes. The incident. Um, uh, Bizarro broke it once uh, because Bizarro is the opposite of everything he cannot um, speak truth right
1: <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing yes um, so that was just a silly idea wrapping him up in the last so should have thought that one through <laughs> <laughs> Um,
2: but her breaking it uh, would effectively in my mind be kind of a rejection of whatever of of the gods granting her her powers, you know, unless you, you know, depending on where you view her powers coming from. Um, and so my thought was maybe she's lost some of her powers. Maybe this whole anti-aging thing has now gone away and she's just old now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, was sort of
2: my
1: take. I mean, it's consistent with some, uh, there's a, uh, trying to remember the, there's a comic series, uh, within the Canon Justice League set, uh, called Golden Perfect. Uh, wherein Wonder Woman breaks the lasso, and there's a very similar effect. Um, she has to do it for for I don't remember exactly what the reasons are. Um, but then it gets repaired and everything's fine. But it's it's this it's the mythos is very difficult to explain, but right. it's basically like rejecting the rejecting the idea that there can be uh, an absolute truth is what is required to destroy to actually rupture the lasso and your belief in that has to be strong enough in order to do it and it's so antithetical to a lot of what diana believes that like it it has a real physical impact on her um what's interesting is that they don't like i really wish they had gone into like the why and the wherefore here uh Uh because
2: and and i think Matthew, you and i
1: were yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. The why and the wherefore, so The why and also the why. Thank you. Can, uh, can any of our
0: listeners tell that all three of us get paid to be legalistic about the exact meaning of words? Um, go on.
1: Look, pedantry is a very good gig if you can get it. Um, so It's an all right. No, no. The, the, it's, <laughs> well, I'll be honest. It doesn't pay very much. Anyway, uh, so the, the the bottom line, the – what I was because Matthew and you and I were having this conversation about how it didn't seem to make sense to you why Wonder Woman was so upset, why Diana was so upset with Superman over that particular moment. Um, and I guess my take on it, knowing the general significance with which that particular event uh, has, um, for me, I thought that like what we were meant to assume was that she believed there was another way. And right. that, that wasn't a requirement, uh, but that he certainly was selling it like this was the only way we can't do anything else. Uh, and he is the one who fell into the trap. He could have not fallen into the trap if he was uh-huh. less, uh, a little less arrogant, uh-huh. especially well, in that also, moment where he's. <clears throat> I,
2: I'm, I, sorry, I interrupted you. I apologize. No, that's fine. Um, Go ahead. It, I was going to say the the very idea that this society can't succeed without this one individual is mm-hmm. antithetical to the communist movement. Right. 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 So like that might be the thing, like it's against everything she was trying to stand up for.
0: Well, and yet it is, it is antithetical to the communist movement. It is the heart and soul of the Stalinist movement. Yes. You know, I mean, and that, that is very much a historical reality is that when Stalin died, there was chaos because people didn't know how they could survive without him.
2: Um, Right. This
0: cult of personality
2: built up around him.
0: I mean, one thing I, I certainly think as we discuss this is and – and this is a, good, a bit of a tangent, but at least we can mention it briefly. With the how George – I mean, one thing it seems like we keep saying is that we wish they had gone more into this. Yes. Did, am I the only one who felt like – thought this story was a little rushed for a three-book series? Like I really wish this had been a four or a five-book series because it just felt like there were so – like just to take that one example, Jacob, you were talking about how it's kind of Superman's fault he fell into the trap. And so you can understand Wonder Woman being upset. That's all well and good, except off screen on some level it seems Wonder Woman fell into Batman's trap and we have no idea. Um and, and so to me those are a lot more of these details that I, I I kinda wish there had been one more book, because I feel like there was so much more to the story that could have been told.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think I think uh it definitely had all the story parts of a good trilogy, you know, this 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 of of various things that happened, but like totally agree on wishing there were more more parts to it um, I think like it's very likely that when it was first conceived they didn't think there would be enough material for for more than three parts uh, and mm-hmm. they just jammed so many things into it um, and it's all good like I'm not mad about about any given part other than there are so many things where I go wow I actually want more of this world now that being said there are plenty of examples of things where where I've read something or watched something and gone all right I've had enough now um, and I'd rather be in the boat of saying, I wish there were more than saying that should have ended earlier. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I a hundred percent agree it should have been, I think it should have been longer. Um, uh, before we, before we move away from this incident that occurred with Batman and Wonder Woman, um, I just think we should talk about, uh, the, the reference I made earlier to how he could have done the, the thing he did with Green Lantern's Ring, um, Right. and that is that is just that uh Batman being a vigilante uh says that he would rather than being becoming reprogrammed uh would rather be a martyr and uh, actually blows himself up he swallowed a bomb before this incident and he holds up a, a a triggering device and blows it up uh and kills himself right there and uh if superman had had the ability to moved that quickly and accurately he could easily have have taken it from him before he Mm. pushed that button um but but he didn't uh which is which is that might also be because of the fact that he was had just been under all that that red light as well right um but uh but it was it was a thing where i I noticed the inconsistency between the two like he did this one thing here and didn't do it there um Mm. Do you think it's possible that
1: that was an actual conscious or subconscious choice on the part of like that he didn't consider it like he was basically that that he might have just been willing to let that happen rather than insisting that he uh go like save his life in order to change him?
2: No, I don't think so. I think I think Batman making that choice is the very opposite of what Superman was was doing. Uh, in that Superman wasn't letting people make bad choices.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. I, I, I'm really glad you brought that up, Jacob, is because I I kind of want that to be the case. I want... And <clears throat> we, we've we made reference to this, but we should sort of explicitly state it just to make sure people understand. One of the things that is happening throughout the story is that the people who... I, I think we, we, we mentioned this briefly, but just go in more detail. The people who disagree with with Superman, they're not being executed. They're not being sent to the gulag. They're basically being mind wiped. They're they're sort of having this robotic thing put. It's it kind of, I guess, like an electronic lobotomy of sorts, but that makes them be happy, good, conforming citizens. Um, mm-hmm. Which is, in many ways, it, it's again holding to the Soviet communist, um, even more the Maoist uh, um, idea, because it's it's basically the the sending them to a re-education camp, just with electronic help to make it much faster and much more efficient. Um, and yeah, I, I I kind of wish that this was supposed to be one moment where where Batman, where where Superman is able to say, you know, for Batman to to let him die would actually be far kinder than to enslave his mind in that way. So I'm going to let it happen. And I, Jacob, I kind of want that to be the case. But but Jess, I think you're right. There's there's really nothing in the story to indicate that that's what's happening.
1: Yeah, I I think I think Jess is right here too. I just wanted to ask the question so that we could have exactly this conversation <laughs> uh, before <laughs> but before we move on or or go to another point i just wanted to say we paid a very small amount of words to it um i would like to register my complaint uh of this being yet another comic book where we've tied wonder woman up in her own lasso uh that is yep. it's way more common than it ought to be and if we didn't call it out as being uh Potentially problematic, or in this case, definitely problematic. I would feel bad about it.
0: I, I'm I'm glad you point that out because I do think, and it, it's there's a lot there that you can go into because it part of I mean, there's so much about the original history of Wonder Woman and the um the um the guy who who wrote it and his interests in bondage and it's very intentional that that happens, but I think you're right, also very problematic, and that that's one element from the history from the 1930s and 40s that I kind of wish we'd left behind. I mean, do you He's think a... the
2: fact that they didn't bother explaining how it happened could be kind of a nod to how ridiculous it is?
1: Yeah, I think yeah. it is entirely possible. <laughs> but at the same time, if you can't tell me how it happened, maybe it didn't happen, right?
0: But but it is right. a little bit what you're saying is is like it's sort of that idea of if you know if you have to talk about sexual violence and stuff, have it happen off screen, and at least here it is happening off screen in a way I appreciate. Well,
2: sure. I kind of meant that it might have been an intentional nod. I don't know if this is true or not at all, but uh, my thought was the fact that it happened off screen might have been kind of a nod to like, yeah, we know this happens all the time.
0: Oh uh-huh. yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I like that point too. Um, two two last things I just want to say quickly on Wonder Woman and <clears throat> uh, before we kind of move on to the next thing. Um, first of all, just my 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 one little soapbox. I am always a Diana and Bruce OTP. Um, so, um, anything that has Diana and, and Superman flirting, I'm always like, no, no, Diana and Batman. That's, and I I think that's mostly just from the justice league TV show. Uh, it's not really canon in other places, but, but that's just my one thing. Um, the other is just to make a meta point that, um, I I love that we are, I've commented before. I think Superman is most interesting when Batman is his foil and vice versa. And, um, in a kind of an ironic thing, um, after this episode, uh, the next episode is probably going to be Jacob and I talking about Luke Cage. But the episode after that, we're going to have a, a different guest, also named Jess, um, uh, Jessica Plummer, who's been a guest on us be- with us before. She came on to talk about Punisher. She's going to come back specifically to talk about the tension between Batman and Superman. Um, so I'll kind of throw that out, both just as a uh, a teaser for the listeners, but also just to say it's one thing that I like so much about this book because it highlights the tension i i think it's a great way of showing like that this tension between superman and batman can still be there even if you put them in a totally different setting
1: and interestingly it's the same kind of argument um where even even in for example kingdom come uh the the argument between them is effectively authoritarianism and and control to establish order versus um versus sort of the i guess what what batman is fighting against here he's, he's really kind of a, a terrorist right i oh, think yeah. in fact they they call that out right he's yeah. blowing I mean, things I mean, up and
2: our introduction to him is blowing up a building now he does he does yeah. uh have an automated announcement in the building that says it's going to blow up in 4 minutes which mm-hmm. i thought was kind of a plot hole because like if superman can hear Things are happening any, you know, yep. anywhere in the country. Giving him four minutes to find the bomb shouldn't be that hard. Yeah, well,
1: you see, but... Batman found the right frequency to, to, <laughs> to, to make that go at. That was in Superman's uh, blind zone for his ears, whatever sure. you would call that. Yeah. Right? Because Batman, because comic books.
0: Uh, <laughs> and, and to some extent it is. Um, some other commentator, I think on the um, DC On Screen podcast, has made this point that as Superman has gotten more and more power, you know, originally he didn't even fly. He left tall buildings, but that as he has canonically become more and more powerful, you do often get to a point where Superman's powers by themselves make the drama of a story pretty much impossible.
2: Mm-hmm. And that
0: to find a way to make a story with Superman interesting, you have to nerf his powers in some way.
2: Yes. Uh, well, So it could, it could be, it could be intentionally <clears throat> nerfing, and it could also just be an issue. I've seen this before, where the authors kind of just forget that 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 power would stop this problem. Uh, that happened. Uh, that actually, literally happened a lot in the series Heroes. I don't know if are you guys familiar with the series Heroes. I am. Um, yeah. Uh, so as time went on, there was a character named Siler in that series who who uh, takes on a bunch of different powers uh, th- throughout the course of of its several seasons, and as the show wore on. Whenever they were writing stuff, the writers would sometimes just forget which powers Siler had.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, so
1: and... in in uh, DC fandom, often the uh, often there is a pretty heavy criticism leveled against uh, Superman specifically for basically the 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 canon explanation Superman keeps forgetting he can do these things. Because he's got such a laundry list of stuff that he can do. At one point, there's a famous panel of a comic where Superman is behind some bars and he's using, he's got his fingers on him. He's like, I'm going to break through these bars using super friction. He definitely has heat vision, has definitely used it before that point. So the the funny thing is like, yeah, he just forgot he could do this. His <laughs> That's
2: <laughs> I like really that. funny. That's really funny.
1: Yep. I wish I could. Wonder if I could find that for the show notes. Uh.
2: They well, they do make. uh, They do make a slight nod to something like that at the beginning of this uh, of this comic series. There's a point where he's uh, trying to save Metropolis, actual Metropolis, by the way, trying to save Metropolis from uh, a falling um, uh, satellite, right? Mm -hmm. And he actually mentions that like, this was not the best way to have done this. Uh Where he just right. like tries to catch it and move it. And he's like, yeah, yeah my powers chose... were still new then. And I, you know, in retrospect, I can think of a hundred other ways I could have handled this. Right. right,
1: Instead he went for the most dramatic, I think is what he said, Uh where he th- crashed it into the ocean. Right. Yep.
2: Yeah. He's like, I could have just, you know, obliterated it with, with my, my heat vision or, or any number of things. And, uh, and instead I chose
0: this other thing. Um, so so let's kind of try to move um, – we are now well past the one-hour point. We have a couple more things I want sorry. to make sure we get to. No, no, no. <laughs> yes. No,
1: that's fine.
0: No, no. Uh, Jacob, I think we should acknowledge you and I are very good at keeping us to one hour. It's only because Jess is on that we are we're past are past 100 percent. Like sometimes we
1: do a tight 45 minutes even uh, exactly. of – not talking about the topic at hand, and then we do like an hour and a half of talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: And that like last you started that like, just shattered for all of us. I like um, how you started that. You're like, oh, sometimes we
2: do 45 minutes, and I'm thinking, man, they keep it to 45 minutes, and then you're like, and then we do other stuff. No, yeah. no, no We
0: never do. Um, but but um, I, I want to make one quick point and then kind of jump jump back into what we talked about with Rainiac and, and what he does and, and how Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor's mental battle um, and how that all ties together, because I think it's a great, a lot of great stuff to discuss there. But but just in terms of this um uh thing with uh that what Superman does about sort of creating these, you know, re educated, lobotomized citizens. I, I'm really glad, Jess, you brought up that story of um Professor X and Colossus, and Professor X saying, you know, your powers aren't for the state, they're for the world. Because to me, I, I and I've I've mentioned this before on other uh podcasts. I am not a big fan of Professor X, and I think in a lot of ways Professor X is a very terrifying character yeah. in a lot of ways because I think of Professor X is as being very comfortable with the kind of thing that Superman is doing here. He's very comfortable saying, okay, well, your brain is going to make you do bad things, so I'm going to change your brain. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I, I loved—I I hadn't even known that, but that specific words you said, when he says your powers aren't for the state, they're for the world, my response is, wait, why aren't his powers for him?
2: Um, right. You know, it's,
0: you know <laughs> Professor X has just as little sense of individuality um, yeah. as as communist Superman here does.
1: And to be fair to Professor X, which is a very weird statement to make <laughs> uh, in in abstract, but it, he does sort of have this low level like hearing how people think thing all of the time, and so for him, it's entirely possible that individuality doesn't. It, it's it's harder for him to process, right? He's sort of always hearing what other yeah. people are thinking. It's like the telepaths in Babylon 5.
0: Yeah. Um, and I, I can see that in some level. Superman has the same thing, that Superman is just so hyper aware of everyone around him and, and their collective needs that the individual needs are harder for him to see.
1: I wonder how he tunes out all of the like boring, droll conversations to be able to hear, oh, this is a crisis that I now have to answer.
2: I, I imagine there's a learning curve there. Like the number of times he probably showed up to a daycare thinking somebody was being abducted is okay. like. Yeah. just no, Tommy's
1: being dramatic again. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, no, daddy. No, I don't want to go to the dentist today. You know? Uh, <laughs> well, and and it is, I'll admit, it's always one of the things I find a little bit hand wavy about telepath characters or, or any kind of characters who are supposed to believe have, so much more sensory input coming in that it just I, – I always have a little bit of a reality problem with the filtering and, and sort of being able to go, okay, well, just that he's a superhero. They're able to do it. Um, well, just but, like
1: we're able to tune out some things uh, from our senses, it, it's not a complete stretch, but obviously we have no frame of
2: reference. Well, it's, I right. think it just falls into the like necessary necessary subpowers thing. Like if, yeah. yep. a lot of superheroes have – I'm sure you guys are familiar with this concept. Like there are superheroes whose powers don't work if they don't also have some other powers that's never mentioned. Like the Flash Flash is a great example of this. Like if he doesn't have the ability to to dampen his own inertia, he should not be alive. Right. Yeah. Uh, And uh, that's just a thing that they like. Like it just kind of has to go along with his character. You just you just accept that it works somehow. Have you watched the Flash?
0: Oh, go on. Have you watched the Flash TV show, Jess? Uh,
2: I have not. I've actually a few friends of mine have been trying to get me into it, and I would probably would have. If, uh, unfortunately, I've just been very busy with school the last few months.
0: It, it is quite good in some ways. Kind of cheesy, but but I mention it because it it actually, if one understand, it goes much further than any of the comics to try and name those powers. You know, they they go into a whole thing about how his sensory his his ability to process sensory information is greatly sped up. You know, because just to kind of deal with all this stuff about how does he the all the sub problems that happen from moving that fast
1: right like he has to know he has to actually process when it's time to turn and depending on the speed that might be three seconds before he started moving in the first place right, <laughs> right. so it's a little hand wavy because because of how uh relativity works uh okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Well the, so like I mean, they just there are also things that are ignored about the flash, like I know that there, there are points at which the flash sometimes moves faster than the speed of light right. um well, if you were to move faster than the speed of light or even near the speed of light in an atmosphere, the results would be catastrophic <laughs>
1: right. now, he's clearly got some kind of inertial dampeners that are very impressive right, yeah, like he's, he's basically to... the enterprise
0: right. Yeah. <laughs> And tying it back a little bit to the story, I will say we don't get much of the Justice League in this. And I, yeah. I kind of wish we had gotten the Flash, in part because I would have been like the stereotype often is that Soviet Russia is in an incredibly grim, dark place where humor is not something that is found very often. And I, I would have been interesting to see, kind of like, you know, what a. Berdievich Alanova, you know, like, you know, that ver- the, the Soviet U- version of the Flash, what that would have looked like. Um, it probably would have been a very different tone from the story, but it, 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 it was something I was kind of curious about.
2: Yeah, I think, I think uh, the Flash would have been an interesting addition. I think adding anything else would have made this, I wish they'd gone into it more problem, even worse. Oh, yeah. right.
1: Um, right. Although it would have been interesting, I think, if there was a plot line where a, Justice League of America specifically a Justice League of America a conglomeration of superheroes got together to try to stand as a counter to Superman but that is a completely different story mm-hmm. uh and I do like how they kept with the sort of traditional Lex Luthor is Superman's ultimate nemesis um and then to, uh getting to the the ending um Lex Luthor ends up winning uh yeah. he, he wins the ideological battle yeah. and uh, apparently creates a utopian society by using his his super duper smart brain, and that's a nitpick that that I will have. That um, <laughs> uh, and we talked about it. Oh, sorry.
2: Yeah. Well, so there's this there's this the, this ongoing thing in the uh, where where Lex Luthor is uh, consistently. He's very smart, and he does things that end up benefiting people, uh, but only because his end goal is to beat Superman, right? in in the course of this story he ends up running for president he ends up saving capitalism he ends up saving the united states uh and leads leads the world into this utopian society right but all of this yep. is just to achieve the end goal of being able to say he defeated superman and and you kind of have this this weird thing where he's got this end that's questionable and but this means that that Overall end up very good, and Superman is the contrast to that where he's got these goals that are very good, but these very questionable means um, and right, I, thought, and I, and if, I thought it was a good contrast it,
1: and and it also gives you a very nice sort of gray painting to look at because I can't sit here and say that I'm you know if if we were trying to make a a civil war style whose team are you on uh thing here, I wouldn't be able to say team superman or team lex like i, I couldn't do it i like mm. both of them they're like i have a problem with i have a problem with superman's be means 100 percent right uh but i also like lex's lex's uh ends i guess his goal what he actually wants is in- com- like completely self-serving it's just interesting that the outcome of that ultimately is like because It's funny because in order for Lex to win, he has to beat Superman in his own game. So he's all like, "Here's your goals. I'm gonna achieve them better than you did," and it's just like
2: okay, but Superman is seeing economic success. I need to have better economic success.
0: (laughs) I I'm a little more on um, Team Superman than um than Team Lex. Actually, I would say a lot more because I think in part because um. Superman does still have ideals, you know. I mean, Lex, as we said, he just flat out kills a whole bunch of people to keep some of his information secret. Right? Like, it does seem like Superman is much more idealistic in ways, but I think also Superman winds up being a great illustration of you know that that the road to hell is paved with good intentions because he has. You know, I mean, and certainly I'll be, you know, you look at the current American political system and say, how about if we just take away the power um, to to vote from everybody and and let someone smart and good hearted decide for everything? I don't actually want that. And I, I've ranted before about how that's, I think, the problem of a lot of like Heinlein type science fiction, but I'd certainly understand the appeal. And I, mm-hmm. I do really like, it's actually, i never even thought of it in, in until now. And I kind of wonder if this is intentional, but in that regard... This version of Superman is very much a throwback to the science fiction of a lot of the 50s and 60s of people like Heinlein and Asimov and some stuff where there was this idea of if we just let the smartest, best people be in charge, they'll do a lot better than we stupid people can with our votes in our democracy. And I, I, I'm obviously at the end of the day against it in where Superman goes, but I, I do see why it's so tempting.
1: Yeah, so uh, I... I have to say I disagree. I think if I had to hold my nose and pull the lever for one of these two candidates, if they were running against each other, I, I actually would vote Lex. Mm-hmm. Uh, because at the end of the day, what I care about is what kind of world is made. Right. Uh, so, which is unfortunate because, like, he's... It's funny because I can, I don't think you could actually say, uh, at least I don't personally think you could say that, in this story, Lex Luthor is a villain and Superman is a hero, or vice versa. No, you right? definitely cannot. Yeah, I, I think no. both of them do things that are morally questionable um, or morally like repugnant in some cases, mm-hmm. um, and both of them do achieve things that are laudable, that are things that that are good, um, and so there, it's it, again one of the one of the best things about the story is that it is painted with that very gray brush, right. where. Uh, there's never, I feel, the author's trying to tell you, oh, this is the hero of the story. Uh, it's it's definitely told mostly from the perspective of Superman, um, and in some scenes from the perspective of Lex, and in other scenes, some of my more favorite ones, from the perspective of, of Lois Lane, who I feel really yes. <laughs> bad for, or I guess Lois Luthor, who I feel really bad for, because uh, I don't feel like she had a very good marriage
0: and, and I do think it's worth pointing out. I mean, again, not you, because I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I certainly get what you mean about the. At the end of the day, you're pulling the lever based on the world that's created. But I do just again. To, wow, I'm the one defending Superman. This is really weird. Um, but but I, I do, almost
1: as if it were planned.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm also the raving communist, so that's partially why I'm kind of defending. Because I the, there is an extent to which a lot of the ideals he's fighting for are ones that I'm so such a believer in. Sure, but the
2: the means um, but, he's using to get there are the really right, the, exactly. the problem we're having, right? Because he's he's he we're dealing in in pretty clear fascism at this point, right?
0: right? Oh, sure. And I, oh, but all I wanted to point out was just because I think we haven't really touched on it is that he gets there with means that I think make the ends unjustifiable, but that the ends are pretty. Gra- I mean, like they mentioned, you know, crime is almost eliminated. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Batman. They make a point of saying like Batman's fighting corruption. Because there isn't street crime for Batman to fight, like I, he he has a different origin story. But I think Joe Chill doesn't exist in this world because street crime has been pretty much eradicated, hunger and disease. You know, a lot of the world's problems have been eradicated, and I, I agree with you. The means by which they're done don't justify it. But I do, I do think it's important just to name, like the world that Superman creates is pretty is it would be a lot of people's version of utopia. Um, problematic as I still think it is.
2: Yes. I think a lot of those people are – yeah. Well, we could get into a pretty – I'm more than happy to, to to get into that debate. But I think we're getting out of the, out of the realm of the comic book.
0: Yeah. If uh,
2: I <laughs> into that. Um, Agreed. And I'm more than happy to have that conversation. It sounds like it would be interesting. But we'd be here for another hour just talking about it. Yeah. Um,
0: I, I, I will say a version of that uh, conversation was brought up in our discussion of Supergirl um, probably more than two, a year and a half ago. But I'll push a link to it because there's another – villain in the super uh super world with this is a super girl one but who who raises kind of similar issues um uh but I think Jeff you were going to take us in a new direction so go for it uh
2: i uh
0: or I totally misunderstood. actually oh no i was, I was actually there was a thing i
2: was going to bring up earlier and I, I was waiting for a good opening um was uh you mentioned this science fiction idea of uh of the the smartest and best leading the world um,
0: right kind of benevolent fascism
2: yeah and we actually do get that at the very end um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and when Lex Luthor eliminates Superman uh, he goes on to you know continue to lead the world uh, well the Amer- uh, the United States of America first and then the rest of the world um, and uh, we have uh, there's a there's a quote in here that Says by his seventy fifth birthday, Luther had retired the conventional politicians and created a one world government composed of artists, writers, philosophers, and scientists. So we actually do get what you're referring to, yeah. where where we got this like utopian sci fi world that's that's led by the
0: smart. Um, and 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 while I, I I'm giving some of the credit to Highland and those, I, I mean, really this idea is straight from Plato. This is the idea right. of the Republic. You know yeah. that the, the the super smart people should should lead and make the best decisions.
2: Yeah, well, and Heinlein's, Heinlein had um, some somewhat different ideas on that, and he has some some very interesting philosophical discussions in some of his some of his books. And you know, Starship Troopers is a great example of that. We mm-hmm. uh, really really delves into the the ethics of what does it mean to to uh, be a citizen and vote, and, and why should or shouldn't you have this right. Right, um, and uh, I thought I think it's really interesting. I haven't read it in years, so maybe I'm misremembering. But um.
1: <laughs> no, that's that that's very close uh, to Starship Troopers. Yeah, uh, uh, not the movie. The Starship Troopers the movie <laughs> is completely
2: yeah. different on every <laughs> axis.
1: Though I gotta say, I really like the movie too.
0: But yeah, but it is a lot of these same questions of you know is is the individual's duty to the state? Is the state's duty to the individual, or replace uh-huh. the state with the society? Um, I, I want to ask one last sort of smaller question, and then let's dive into this this thing we keep teasing about with Brainiac and Lex Luthor and how Lex Luthor wins the debate. But um, we've we've talked about how there isn't really much of a Justice League. There's a couple of characters, and and clearly part of that is for narrative, you know, summary. Right. But do you think part, you know, obviously in all those stories, Superman is the first one, and there's some extent to which Superman kind of inspires the rest. Do, if you're asking sort of why isn't there the rest of the Justice League in the United States, is that just because for narrative sake we didn't want to go into that? Or do you think there is, the, the authors are positing the idea that without a Superman, many of those other superheroes might not have emerged in the United States?
2: Well, I do think it changes the narrative significantly if they exist as a counterpoint to Superman, because the story is that Lex Luthor is controlling all of the the different things that are geared against Superman, uh, or at least has influence in them. And for for him to have in the United States a Justice League uh, would detract from one or the other. One of them would be... right you know, you know you either have the justice league being controlled by lex luthor which is probably not where we want to be for story- to storytelling purposes and, or you'd have them kind of taking away from lex luthor's story and his story is kind of important to to the the opposition to superman here um you could perhaps have had something come up around batman instead of having you know this the batman if you will be this gang that comes up like I could have seen something come up where out of, out of Batman's martyrdom, you have this league of, of
1: extraordinary, extraordinary, yeah, a league of extraordinary (laughs) gentlemen,
2: a league of, uh, you know, there's people that are coming up and saying, Hey, that's not right. And it, 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 that inspiring something. I think that would have been an interesting take on the justice. League. But, uh, but I think it's mostly just a narrative question of like, how would you fit them in to this already jam packed world? Uh, mm-hmm. In this, in these three issues, uh, I, I would really love to revisit this world. I, I think that that, uh, frankly, if Batman hadn't died in that moment, uh, having him be the leader of a rebellion against, you know, the the Superman's communism would have been a great, like, long term series.
0: Yeah, but yeah, but like, I mean, like, for example, we're introduced to the character of a billionaire kind of. Uh, missed, not, a billionaire who likes to sort of, you know, pull people's tails in Oliver Queen, but there's never an indication that he's the arrow. You know, like we have a, there, there, and I, I think you're right. It, it's it's I, I kind of want there to be some sort of larger point about Superman's role in inspiring other heroes. But I think you're right. This is more about the combination of the narrative and also this idea that Lex Luthor is so in charge of it that he probably wouldn't really give room for other non-aligned superheroes to emerge.
1: So- yeah, it's fair. Although, and it, I do think, like, it might have been, it might have been interesting to explore a Justice League that's basically run, that's basically a puppet organization run by Luthor, but here again, all of this would have required more issues, more, right? because, like, you wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to take anything out of this to replace it with that, right? right. I would have wanted to just prolong the story.
2: I don't and, know, and you it, could have it, taken the panel where Superman's playing chess out. I would have been okay with that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it does also highlight though, and, and tell me if you guys disagree, but it if if Superman has gone through this real flip of being from an individual individualism to communitarianism, um Lex Luthor certainly is not a stand in for every individual to do their own thing. Um a, 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 am I right in that? Because it's certainly like he he wants to do his own thing. But he wants to direct. He wants to direct everybody else below him just as much as Superman does.
2: Uh, so well. So now you're bringing in. I think you're about to touch on something that, that is a key point. We really haven't even talked about, which is that Lex Luther and Superman both represent the same thing in these societies, and that is individual exceptionalism. Uh, mm-hmm. And and you know Superman is not every man, right? And neither is Lex Luther, and both of them succeed because of it. Um. And so, in in that way, they're very similar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah. I think I think you're right. You know, Lex is not you know standing up for specifically for individualism, but individualism definitely suits his needs because he is exceptional,
0: right? And in some way, that's an interesting meta point of the whole story because certainly a, a central ideal of Soviet ideology was supposed to be that there wouldn't be exceptionalism, that there would be the new Soviet man and that everybody would, all the comrades would be equal. Um, right. And so it's an interesting story that they're sort of saying like, nope, exceptionalism wins out, whether it's capitalism or communism.
2: Well, I mean, it's, well, it's, it's that's necessary for the, the telling of good stories. You need heroes, right? Right. You need villains. You need the hero's journey. And so like, that's hard to have if you're just like. And then there was Joe Bob, and Joe Bob was the same as Sally <laughs> Sue, and that's the end of the story. You know?
0: <laughs> Makes for great philosophy uh, I think class, Sally not Sue great... was
1: better because her name's alliterative, and as we all know, alliteration is superior to not. Straight to the
2: gulag with you. That's also
0: true. <laughs> um, so, so since we're now approaching the two-hour mark, uh, oh, let sorry. me. Um, but no, no, no. Again, no. Trust me, I would want to go on this for all day, all night. But our our listener numbers might decrease significantly. Um, let Let's go into because Brainiac does something um, to one of the cities that is kind of standing against uh, Superman that haunts Superman for most of the rest of the story. And then Lex Luthor uses it to kind of win the intellectual battle. So, does yeah. you it, want to kind of tell that not, part of it's the story?
1: Just, just a, a quick point of uh, of correction. It's not that. So, this is when Brainiac is still working with Luthor. It's one of Superman's loyal cities. He gets. It's not Stalingrad. It's um, but he no. It is.
2: It is Stalingrad.
1: It is Stalingrad that he yeah, puts I'm, in a bottle. I'm pretty sure he it's puts Stalingrad. a city in a bottle. Well, so, right? so he, let me ex-
0: explain what it is. And then, in the, in doing that, you can correct me.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. So at one point he steals, uh, Brainiac, uh, basically takes an entire, the entire city of Stalingrad and makes it very small and puts it in a nice little glass tube. Right. Right. Um, and this was like, he was, according to Lex, he was supposed to do that to Moscow as sort of like a, a winning move against Superman. Cause you know, if you just make Superman very small, I guess there's not a problem anymore. <laughs> but uh <laughs> I'm not sure. Now you just have Mighty Mouse, but he doesn't look like a mouse. Um, Man, so the, be the Mighty Mouse. So the the <laughs> the actual reasoning behind doing this is really like a little bit nebulous to me. A little bit like, oh, that cat's a little weird. But it's something that Superman is deeply upset by because now there's this uh, portion of his citizenry, and he can't restore their lives. Right? These are people who have connections to other people in his nation, and he can't he can't bring them back to be able to interact with everybody else because now they're they're their own little microcosm, like microcosm being a very punny name in this particular case. Um, but uh, it, it's something that because it's a problem that Superman can't fix, he can't make it better, it really bothers him. Um, and we see him, like, at one point he fails to... Uh, do his his check in when he's supposed to, or similar. So some he has he has a process to make sure those people are still safe. Um, and like something happens, there's just a very very minor error, and it results in in some deaths. Um, uh, yeah, he, he there's and,
2: an air, air filter he doesn't check, and it lets a flea in, which yep. is basically like a giant monster in this tiny city.
1: Yep. And so he that is a he he you know. Projects himself in and, and apologizes and goes to correct for it for later, but like it's still something that clearly deeply bothers him because he feels a an obligation to all of the people, right? Right. Right. Um. So there's this thing that he's you know clearly horrified by this whole like you know they've take they, somebody has taken these people and and changed their lives so dramatically. Uh. All toward some end that had nothing to do with those people, right? Yeah. Um, and so that kind of leads into what ends up happening with, uh, with the confrontation between Luther Brainiac and and Superman at the end.
0: Right, and yeah, and I I, I always have thought, uh, just as a one kind of a side thing, that little moment of the filter I think is a brilliant way of highlighting. Again, one of the problems of where Superman is in the more sort of communal focused society is that in a world where he is so exceptional, they, they make the point that very few people are sort of stepping up to be almost exceptional. And so he can't delegate anything to anyone. You know, part mm-hmm. of what I took from that moment is he didn't check that one air filter because he is so busy doing everything because no one else is really able to carry any of this burden for him. Right.
1: Well, and it, part of that I think is is a case where because everyone's become so reliant on Superman, um, and he's sort of you know he's facilitated that he's done nothing to disabuse them of that. Um, he sort of put himself into that position where uh, he you know everyone just assumes that okay he's taken on this he's going to fix it. And nobody I, I think it's entirely likely that nobody like even offers. Because they're yeah. like, oh, Superman will fix it. There's a point where uh, earlier in the story when Stalin is dying and what, like Stalin's just on his deathbed and somebody there says, Superman, help us. As if Superman is like suddenly a medical wizard right, as well. Right. And he goes right. and
2: tries to be. He goes in and yep. just like as fast as he can reads all these medical books and comes in and is like, I think he has this problem. And, you know, yep. like I thought we were about to have an episode of house. Like yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know what was going on. He um, did
1: not mention Lupus though, so right. <laughs> it's not Lupus. <laughs> it's not. But yeah, he he you're right, he, he does, he, he tries to do that for them and it does not succeed. Right? Yeah. But that but that that sort of scene to me set was uh, there as a as sort of a signpost to say this is how the society treats many of these major problems where they're all like, well, we could try to fix this ourselves, or
0: we could call for Superman. Right. And and that's I think a theme that we we've touched on a bit, and we're going to hopefully touch on another episode when we get into the Brandon Sanderson book, The Reckoners, because it really goes into this topic. But but it's one I think is really interesting, which is you know once you know that someone can <clears throat> um, you know do something at an amazing rate, is there any point at you trying to do your best? If you trying to do your best, it's going to be so overwhelmed by this other superman, um, and that you don't really need to do your best anymore.
1: I mean, the answer, yeah. of, of course, is is yes. There is still a point, but right. it's very easy to miss it, uh, and it's it's definitely a good story beat. Uh, anyway, getting back to the, the Brainiac, right. uh, the, Luthor, the, the, the city, in Superman a little, confrontation, a little
2: kind of glass container thing.
1: Right. So city sitting in a glass container. Superman is upset about it, um, which you know I'm, I'm making light of it, but uh, later on when Uh, Lex has just basically thrown the kitchen sink at Superman. He, he's, he's fought, uh, through the Green Lantern Corps. He's fought through, um, Wonder Woman. Yep. Yes. The Amazons from Themyscira, um, who end up being allied with, with Lex, uh, in part, I think due to Diana's feeling of betrayal at what happened, uh, with the, with the Batman trap. Right. Um, so he, he goes, he's fought through all of these external problems right um and i mean at this point i think we have a president luther at this point yes yes so right because lois is at the white house so superman comes to comes to the white house comes to um to try to end this uh conflict and though i don't I don't want to be the one to to talk over this moment. Cause I don't think I can do it without geeking out a bunch.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, Lois Lane is the first lady and, uh, he arrives at the white house and in true Superman fashion, while he's just like bashing heads, he, he expresses to her that he, that she needs to evacuate. So, because this whole area is going to be destroyed. She says she's going to stand her ground. And he tells her that that's something of the effect of, of, that that's really noble. Uh, but but she really needs to leave. And she tells him that she was supposed to deliver uh, a message. And the message is from Lex Luthor, who at this point is trapped inside Brainiac's ship. Um, And uh, so he, Superman, of course, doesn't need to grab the message. He can just read it with his X-ray vision. And reads it, and just like immediately falls to his knees and says, oh god, what have I done? Uh, Or something to that effect. And uh, mm-hmm. And so Lois is just like, what What does it say? She reads it and like, she grabs it, opens it up really fast and reads it. And what it says is, uh, why don't you just put the whole world in a bottle, Superman? Or something to that effect. Oh, yeah. God, it's so and it's, good. And it's basically he has this realization that um, what he is doing to the world by finally agreeing to just take control of of, of everything, right? Uh, is just forcing, he's doing exactly what Brainiac did. He's just forcing everything to be the way he wants it to be. He's just putting, mm-hmm. right, you know, just taking this one little section of it and forcing it to be who he wants it to be. And it's no different than that sitting in a bottle he's trying to take care of. Uh, it's just a worldwide scale. And he realizes that he, an outsider, an alien, shouldn't have the right to do that. Um,
1: and, uh... Which is – this part was very impactful for me because it was a great example of Superman's core values. Right. Right? So here's a case where if he was really buying into it, uh, he would say, but the good that I have done, the right. good that this these choices are making is worth the cost of admission. And instead, he goes, At, nope, I've done a bad I have. Yeah. I can't do well, this anymore. I,
2: I think that speaks to what we said at the beginning of the episode where he was talking about why he didn't want to lead the party. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was just like, I, I I, shouldn't get to make this decision just because I have these exceptional abilities, just because I have this, this privilege of being different. Um, right. And then he goes against that. And at the very end, we see him just being like, oh, wait, I shouldn't have done these things just because I have the ability to.
0: Well... And here, this this kind of ties into, you know, what what I think is one of the most brilliant parts of this story is that it it shows how not only do the best parts of Superman, you know, come to light no matter which part of the world he's in, but that his flaws do as well. Because, and this kind of leads into the last big question I wanted us to talk about, um, Jess, are are you familiar with the Kingdom Come story? uh, uh
2: generally, but I haven't
0: read it. Okay, well. But the very the very basic of it is that it is Superman is within a you know capitalist American society for very different reasons winds up also having to kind of take more authority and power than he would want and winds up misusing it in ways that become very problematic and I I love that in both of these stories for completely different reasons and from completely different directions what you wind up at the end of the day is that Superman does best when he can use his power to serve the ideals and goals and agendas set by others and then in both cases once he becomes sort of you know both jury and ex judge jury and executioner that's when he really kind of goes off the rails um jacob did you have that same kind of observation in terms of looking at the, the these two stories together
1: yeah the the big parallel for me was the 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 superman robots right the the people of the state uh the the people who were dissidents being controlled to toe the line was very very similar to the re-education camps that are in uh kingdom come for the for the renegade superheroes uh same kind of thing that like he's he's a very he's a very versatile hammer but he's still a hammer and he still only looks at problems as if they were things a hammer should hit whatever those are called
0: It it does make me wonder. Is that right? (laughs) (laughs) It it does make me wonder to what extent the authors of this had Kingdom Come in their mind when they were writing it, because it is a very different story, but in some ways very, very similar, especially like you said in the the directions it gets to. Um,
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that 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 makes sense. I'm probably going to go read that now. I haven't haven't read it before.
1: I I highly recommend it. Uh it's I think still my favorite graphic novel. Uh it's yeah. There, there's a lot to talk about there, and we already did that. Of course, we already did an episode yep. on Kingdom <laughs> oh, okay. uh, um, Come, which, which is why we're talking about it now. Because I made Matthew read it, so that yeah, <laughs>
0: we could talk it, about it. It does have one fatal flaw: Superman and Diana get together, which again violates the OTP. But I feel like, it's very I feel like this is a pretty
2: common theme. You're going to be disappointed in. <laughs> yeah,
0: like I said, I, it's one of those things where we, you know, the, the, your canon is always the only true canon. For me, I think I I learned about all these things most well. My Superman was the um, um uh, you know, Gene uh, Gene Hackman Lex Luthor and um, oh God, how am I like Christopher Reeve Superman. Right. Um, so that's what I will always. But then, for me, the Justice League world that that always comes from the the animated show. Um, and Jacob, so that this is more it's more to you, to Jess. But then, I the, the last question I'd kind of pose to you is, when Superman goes bad. Which one do you think is worse? Kingdom Come Superman or Red Sun Superman?
1: Kingdom Come Superman's worse.
0: Yeah. For sure. How come?
1: Definitely. Well, so remember when when confronted with what has happened, with the outcome of, of what he's done, with the culmination of all of the bad things. Kingdom Come Superman almost kills a bunch of people. Uh yeah. and then has to be stopped by uh, an everyday man who who says some words to him and convinces and talks him off the ledge. Uh, this one goes. I have done a bad, and then goes and does one last thing to save the world.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that that's a. Go ahead, Jess.
2: I was going to say that's you know that may have been, like I said, in order for him to come out as the hero, he needed something to fight at the end, right? That yep. that hammer needed something to hit.
0: Right. Uh, yeah, I, I think I would definitely see it the same way. I think I as scary as this Superman was to. I think it's in part because this Superman, his primary goal is making things better for people. In Mm -hmm. Kingdom Come, his primary goal is stopping others from doing bad things. And it's just that kind of difference of, you know, is your goal to build up something or is your goal to tear something down? Um, I'm Mm -hmm. almost always going to see something. I'm always going to be on the side of the person who's wanting to build something up even if I think the thing that you're wanting to tear down is terrible and awful.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, we could continue to talk about uh, different implications of red sun for quite some time, but we do have to end this at some point. So Jess, <laughs> was there any, was there any other topics uh, Jess on this that you specifically wanted to make sure we, we covered?
2: Um. No, I don't think so. I mean, I could, I could, Go into some more nuanced stuff about it. I could definitely spin it off into uh, some long political conversations, but I'm I'm really happy we had this discussion, and I really appreciate you guys having me on uh, a lot. I've enjoyed this.
0: Yeah, well, I I'm really glad, and I should say, Jess, you um and um, uh, your two other co-hosts, or at least you're you're not um, uh, you're one of your current and, and one of your former co-hosts, are in some ways responsible for um, uh, Jacob being on this podcast because it was um Jacob was a, a a number of times a guest on the Judgecast podcast yes. that we mentioned that Jess is a part of before and I had had a number of discussions when when my current co-host uh co-host at the time Paul had to step back Jacob was someone who I'd identified as, you know, I know he loves to talk about these topics, and he might be interesting. And it was my hearing him on the Judge Cast that made me think he would be a great part of of this podcast. So having you on kind of helps to uh, complete that circle a little bit. So I'm, I'm I'm definitely really glad you got to come on, and, and this was just a great discussion. Well, yeah, thank thanks,
1: you. Jess. Now I have a bunch of extra work to do, on a <laughs> biweekly basis.
0: <laughs> I can relate. But no, seriously. <laughs> It's been nice how it's all come around. So, uh, so that was Je- uh, Jess. But what about Jacob? For you, do you have any kind of last comments or points you want to make? Uh, no, we we already covered the
1: the the problem, slight problem I have with with uh, those scenes with Wonder Woman in them. Wonder Woman's portrayal in the rest of the comic is very good. So, like, I'm not, I don't think it's a bad portrayal of Wonder Woman by any means. Um, and we. I, I share Jess's opinion about uh, Hal Jordan. I'm just trying to see if there's anything else in here. No, no, I think I'm good. I think we, <laughs> we covered things pretty well. Of course, I could always talk longer, but. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> F- finding things for us to say has never been a problem for all of us. So um, we have obviously had quite a lot to say, but um, to you, the listeners, we'd love to hear more of your thoughts. Um you can find us on Twitter um, at uh, superhero ethics uh, or on Facebook at superhero ethics we have uh, on Facebook we have both a page but we also have a group that we're using and I'm gonna actually post a couple of follow up questions um mostly about this so though um Jess, you also being a big magic nerd um uh, I'm gonna poke you a little bit on Facebook about the question Jacob and I explored at a much very long ago podcast about the ethics of the pot uh, the gate watch and Jace Beleren. so um, uh-huh. uh, hopefully there'll be a little bit about that. Um, and, and yeah, for our listeners, um, you can definitely find us, as I said, on, on Twitter, on Facebook, you can also email us at superheroethics at gmail.com. Um, Jess, if folks want to kind of stay up to date with, with more of your thoughts or, 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 send ideas your way, what what are the best ways that, um, uh, you're reachable for that kind of thing or The where best can people ways find
2: you, your work? Yeah. Well, you can find me on, uh, you can find me on Facebook, um, and you'd find me on Twitter and on Twitter it's at the slam dunks, just all one word, the slam dunks, um, And on Facebook, you just search for Jess Dunks. There's only a couple of us, and and I'm obvious. (laughs) Um, And uh, uh, if you want to talk to me at all, you can just send me a message, and and I will get it um, through that means. Uh, If you uh, are a fan of my other podcast, uh, my other podcast, like I have this one. Um, If you're a fan of my podcast, JudgeCast, uh, you can always send us uh, an email at judgecast.gmail.com. Um, but otherwise uh, just check us out at judgecast.com. You can listen to episodes there. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. If you want to contact me best, best way is honestly through
0: Facebook. Great. Yeah. And I would just say again, for anybody who is, um, you know, obviously a lot of our fans are, uh, people who played magic the gathering. If, if you're thinking mm-hmm. about becoming a judge, if you are a judge and you want to learn a little bit more and get a little bit better, um, or if you're just interested in sort of the mechanics of gameplay in general and, and what it really means to dive deep into, both the rules themselves and what it means to be the people who enforce the rules and who have to sort of in- interpret and teach the rules, uh, I would definitely check out JudgeCast. It's a great podcast and it has a lot to say.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, we have a whole section so, on our website. I just want to tail onto that real real quickly. Please I'm do. sorry. If you, we have a whole section on our website. I think the the it's the learn to judge section or something along those lines. Uh, there's a button on our main homepage that you can click and it will take you to a list of episodes that are that are good for learning those topics. Um so if you're interested in becoming a judge and you're like, oh man, I I want to learn these difficult rules things, these layers and and dependent effects and all that stuff. Uh we have a whole list of those kind of episodes just to just to grab that
0: stuff. Yeah, and they were um um here we're talking to a very small subset of our uh listener base, but for anyone uh who was think who is a magic judge, who is L1, and is thinking of going to L2, um I used those quite a lot in my studies for L L2, and they were very helpful. Um so yeah, so definitely check out that podcast, Jess. Thank you again so much for being on this, um, uh, being our guest. This has been a, uh, and thank you for introducing us to Red Sun because Jacob, I don't know about you, but I had not known about this, and I'm I'm really glad I got the chance to read it and uh, to sit and talk about it with you guys.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I bought it uh, just on Justice recommendation, and I am not at all displeased that I now own this piece of media because wow, <laughs> it's uh it's real good.
0: Definitely, definitely. Um, so yeah, thank you again, Jess. Um, thank you guys to all of you the listeners. Um, I'll say one last thing is that um, we we planned this episode for this t- time of the year because the new season of Supergirl was in theory supposed to be addressing these issues somewhat. And certainly at the end of the last season, we saw a pod carrying a Supergirl type character crash land in Russia. I think it's supposed to be post-Soviet Russia, but still Russia. Um, I'm only a couple episodes into the new season of Supergirl. That issue hasn't really been explored much, which is why we didn't talk about it today. But certainly um, to our fans, if you're Supergirl fans, if that issue does start to come up in later uh, episodes, um, definitely talk to us about that on Facebook uh, in the superhero ethics group. I'm I'm really curious to see if they do explore that question on the superhero, Supergirl TV show and where they go. Um, so again, on behalf of myself and Jacob, on behalf of Jess, um, thank you guys all for listening. Have a great day.